This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, September 3rd, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. When Harvard Law professor Lawrence Lessig announced a run for the White House primarily to restrict private spending in elections, he pointed to the 1968 campaign of Eugene McCarthy as an example. Problem is, it's a terrible example to make the point Lessig wants to make. John Samples, vice president and publisher at the Cato Institute, comments. Lawrence Lessig has announced that he's running for president, sort of. And um, the sole issue is campaign finance. And the example that he points to as a reason why uh, we need to change our political system is Eugene McCarthy and his 1968 campaign for the presidency based largely on the Vietnam War and making that a front and center issue where it had not been too much of a front and center issue Mm -hmm. uh, up, up to that point. That seems like an odd example, and, and I know you know why. So, Well, it's an odd example in one way, first of all. He's maintaining that, like in 1968, nobody is talking about money in politics. But in fact, not a week passes when somebody somewhere in Washington, D.C. is talking about money in politics and the need for campaign finance reform. And Larry Lessig's made an entire career, of the latter part of his career, of doing this. But there's something even more ironic here, which is the nature of Eugene McCarthy's challenge in 1968, where indeed uh, Lyndon Johnson was expected to be renominated. He was the had conducted the Vietnam War policy. It was expected there wouldn't be any uh, talk about that or criticism of it, rejection of that policy in the Democratic primaries. And Eugene McCarthy changed all of that by running in the New Hampshire primary and by doing in the terms that became famous much better than expected. He got in the 40 percent. However, this was also a time prior to campaign finance laws restricting uh, the donor donations, how much you could give. So he raised uh, a large sum of money, actually, from a very small number of people, three or four people giving well into the millions in current dollars uh, for him to run. And he used that money uh, for television. He used it to set up his campaign infrastructure. And with all, without all of that stuff, he would not have been able to challenge Lyndon Johnson, the Democratic Party establishment. He would not have been able to do better than expected. And when he did better than expected, of course, Johnson uh, essentially withdrew from the renomination eventually. And the Vietnam War and the policy about the Vietnam War for the United States changed because even after the 68, you began a, a withdrawal in a sense from Vietnam. So really the truth of the matter is, uh, for Larry, is that big money was what brought about the change in policy. It's what changed history, not restricting campaign donations, not restricting political uh, rights. Lessig's argument here is that we need to change our electoral system Mm -hmm. and to point back to McCarthy and say, this was, in at least some way, a better time Uh, Wouldn't he then be calling for uh, the abolition of most campaign finance laws? Well, strictly speaking, if you look at the facts of the case and what actually happened, that would seem to be the case. It would seem to be the case that unrestricted giving in 1968 in McCarthy's case 
is a, an example of bringing about change outside the normal party channels, outside the normal status quo or the normal political status quo. Uh, but in this case, uh, Professor Lessig pretty clearly thinks that uh, the money is part of the problem. It's part of what has caused non-talking about, not people not talking about uh, money in politics and so on and so forth. He's got a different analysis of things. But it's pretty ironic, the example, because the example is actually runs the details and the facts run really counter to what he's trying to say here and, and his policy preferences. Now, uh, we've talked over years about all manner of campaign finance restrictions. In 1967 and 68, what were the rules governing uh, contributions to, I, I would call McCarthy's campaign an insurgent campaign mm -hmm. because it, it got off the ground very quickly because it did raise all that money. So what were the rules in place? Were these direct contributions? to the McCarthy campaign? Sure. I mean, there were no, you don't really get the kinds of uh, limitations on the size of contributions to candidates and so on uh, until after the McCarthy campaign. And in fact, I think if you look in 1969, a year later, you begin to see in Congress uh, both uh, legislation for those kinds of restrictions, legislation for specific restrictions on spending on broadcast. Because as you remember, or you may remember in 1968, uh, there was a great fear that money being raised without restrictions could be turned into television time and television time could be turned into uh, rapid changes in politics. And McCarthy was the star of that story. And so actually there were some uh, political restrictions on spending and they went back to the early parts of the 20th century, but many of them weren't effective. And so this was possible to do. Nobody suggested that what McCarthy did and what his donors did was in any way illegal. They, they wouldn't have done it, I don't think, if it was, wasn't. It was going outside the, outside the normal politics. It was going outside what was at that time a powerful political party establishment, but it wasn't illegal in any sense. One of McCarthy's big donors was Stuart Mott. Who was Stuart Mott? Stuart Mott was the son of a wealthy family, a father who had worked in uh, and become uh, rich through uh, part his work in General Motors. Uh, he was a person who had a, a lot of very interesting and different times ways of looking at the world, but he had set up his own philanthropy that he eventually pursued later in life. So he was an outsider in the system too in a lot of ways. And a person you would think of today I think as a liberal democrat with some changes. And I have to say, after 1968, he was also a person that was really very much Cato, uh, like a Cato person on campaign finance issues. He's the one, a person that brought litigation against the campaign finance rules. And well, he should. I mean, the evidence is pretty strong that he was one of the people they were trying to prevent from having any political influence, right? The example he and his uh, friends set in New Hampshire was really, I think, it's beyond any doubt, was one of the motivations for the campaign finance laws that came about from 69 to 1974. So in a, that sense, I think we can see Stuart Mott as a libertarian icon or a hero, although on many positions he's probably not a libertarian. But he represents an older kind of liberal who uh, really valued free speech a lot and had some experience about how it could affect 
and bring about really uh, his political views, a more liberal America. That actually is by and large gone. And so the person like Larry Lessig, who's a nice guy, guy with integrity and so on, a liberal, uh, just doesn't see that outsider that, that money can provide any kind of change that he wants to see coming. It's, it's Stuart Mott has been replaced almost completely by Larry Lessig's in the world. John Samples is author of The Fallacy of Campaign Finance Reform and serves as vice president and publisher at the Cato Institute. Read more of his work at Cato.org.